comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Jupiter Ascending. Or is it Saturn Rising? Maybe it's Pluto Exploding? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and returning is... Abe! Back from the dead! Abe literally died last week, guys. No, no I didn't. <laughs> no, Abe, you were, you were quite sick last week. I was ill, and so I was uh, unfortunately not able to attend last week's podcast, which I did listen to, and I enjoyed a lot. I, I, I always enjoy the new shows that we do. Yeah, it, it was fun talking with Peter about just various news topics of the week. But yeah, I mean, we were we were struck. We were like, do we record? Do we wait for you? And then like, we I talked to you later, and you were you were sounded like just, I was just death out. incarnate. I think <laughs> you called me like thirteen times. Yes, I did. And, and then <laughs> I spoke to you about like three hours after you guys had recorded. Basically, I was out for the entire day, so, yeah, so who I was not feeling this? well at all. Yeah, there, no point to wait. It was a good thing we recorded a show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway. With all that said, Out Now is a film podcast. Today, and I discussing new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review of the review of the week, and then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 179. 179. Oh wow! I thought we were 180 already. I don't know. We we, we had we had like five bonuses in a row. <laughs> That's this true. Just, we're, pa- we're past the we're past the dregs of January, and now we're in the dregs of February. So. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, especially with this movie, I was like, "Oh wow, we're finally done with J- no." Well, at least it wasn't another movie that I'll bring up in the quickies. But with that right. said, we're talking Jupiter Ascending this week. This is the new original sci-fi film from the Wachowskis. And joining us today to discuss Jupiter Ascending, we have from first showing, he's half man, half aardvark. It's Ethan Anderton. Oh hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> How you doing? He's half an aardvark. Yeah, half aardvark. This is news to me. I, you know, M- Mila Kunis didn't know she was the queen of Earth, but there you go. So everyone learns something, right? Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good to have Ethan back on the show. Um, always, always good to have these first showing boys on here. Although that, that Billington, I think he's in Germany, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's at Berlin right now. Yeah, who needs him, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, we we like Alex. It's fun having the show. But yeah. no, glad to have you back, Ethan. And we'll uh, get into things. Uh, starting with, how about this? How about some news from you? I know you were at the Sundance Film Festival uh, a couple weeks ago, right? I was. Yeah, I was uh, at Park City for nine straight days, and uh, I saw twenty four movies while I was cool. there. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's Sundance Film Festival. I mean, any film festival basically is like an endurance trial, like. <laughs> I always have friends who are like they're so jealous of you know this job and everything like that, and it's it's so cool. Like like I I can't really complain about going to Sundance, but like a lot of them don't realize just how exhausting it is because, like yeah, watching movies is fun, but like when you're doing it for work and you're doing three a day and you're writing in between and all that, it's just it's very tiring. But it's yeah, it's it's still always this is my fifth year and it's always a great experience. Um yeah, and my my favorite films this year. Um, were uh, me and Earl and the Dying Girl, which actually won jury and audience award this year. 
Uh, who dope. Is, who's, what? Who's, who's a starring in that film? Uh, oh my or is gosh, it a small film. Or... Uh, I can't even remember his his name now. Um, because he's uh, he's um. It's not the Jason Siegel one, is it? No, that's that's the end of the tour, which was also very good. Mm-hmm. Thomas Mann. Yeah. Okay. So he's you, and you've seen Thomas Mann like in bit parts in in some other movies because he's um he was in Project X and Beautiful Creatures. Um, it's kind of a funny story. So he's the lead in this. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just it's basically it's the the easiest way to describe it, even though it's overly simplistic, is it's the fault in our stars, but for movie nerds essentially, because <laughs> um, there's there's some amazing like movie references and things like that too. Because him and his friend Earl are really into like foreign films, Herzog movies, Criterion Collection stuff, and they make their own like almost like parody knockoff versions of the movies, and you get to see scenes from them and like all the covers they've made for them and stuff like that and the titles are just ridiculous and stupid but they're so funny <laughs> but yeah, cool. it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. no it's a very good movie it's it's sweet it's touching it's it's really funny and it's yeah it was it's it was the clear winner at the festival um and then like i like i really liked end of the tour uh i liked dope um documentary called how to dance in ohio which will premiere on hbo sometime later this year about a group of uh, autistic young adults preparing for a spring formal. Um, but yeah, no, there's there's tons of great stuff this year. It was a really good fest. Very cool. Very cool. nice. Well, thank you for that Sundance Film Festival report. It's nice to get one of those. He's reporting live. Yeah. <laughs> still here. It's still here. Yeah. It's week four of the Sundance Film Festival. Alex was like, I'll see you later back at the office, and he's just still in Park City, Utah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really set this up yet, but I want to do a contest. We haven't done a contest in a while, Abe. I, I feel as though we haven't done one either, primarily because uh, we've been busy with the holidays. I, but now that that's over, I think everything should be back to normal, full swing. Maybe we can do like an Oscar contest this year. Maybe like we can have. We're gonna hand out an Oscar? Yeah, I have. I have. I stole an Oscar. I took one. Oh, from... that's you were at the house party for Kevin Spacey. No, I was at John Williams' house, and he he, he doesn't keep. Ah, uh, Jay Will. He's All old. Right. J J Jay Will. But no, we. I, I figured maybe we could have our guests, like, uh, or not guests, our listeners, uh, submit in their picks for the Oscars. Whoever gets like the most right gets a prize. Hmm. Seems like an easy enough one, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're gonna get more right than not, than I will. Yeah, you're you're terrible at this. I mean, you pick it. You pick against the front runners. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> With all that said, we'll we'll set that up in the coming weeks because Oscars is getting closer, so we'll we'll have something there for. But I'm just saying, new new pot, new contest coming, and um. What else before we move on? Uh, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. Helps out our show, helps other people find our show. If you log on to iTunes and just look up Out Now with Aaron and Abe, which is pretty easy to come across, and you know, possibly hit us a star review or star rating and like maybe write a little sentence or something, that'd be great. It'd be great to help us out. We're still waiting for the period review, just the period. Just period. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever does that, I'm going to give you a pat on the back. I, yeah, okay. <laughs> um. And that's it with the show notes stuff. Uh, there's a commentary coming soon. We always yeah. one a month means there's probably one coming soon all the time. So yeah, we have one coming. Um, with all that said, let's move on to uh, know everybody. We we ask each other a few questions, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know no everybody. Uh, coming off of being sick, Abe, that was pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you start this one off? Sure. All right. So if you guys could have any sort of on body. Tool. Yep. Channing Tatum has uh, has uh, gravity boots. What would you guys have? And, and he's also got a shield. Yeah, yeah he's that, got a shield. A shield. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a gravity boots or a shield. I mean, those are pretty useful, though. Um, 
The shield, very much so. Well, the gravity boots too. Uh, I wouldn't mind having. I mean, I don't. I don't really want the rocket boots, uh, but something else that helps me fly would be pretty cool. Like, I don't know, maybe the the wing winged jetpack that Falcon has in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Functional and you know, kind of low key when you need it to be. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that there could be like a Buzz Lightyear problem though, where someone just like presses a button on you and it's like, I didn't want. And I'm like, you're like in a subway or something. Like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> just broke some windows and jamming stuff. Um, I I would say Pez. Pez. You know, you always want Pez, right? What if you just had a Pez dispenser like always on you? That'd be great. Is there is there a particular dispenser that you'd have? Uh, well, I don't know. You probably probably replace the head, right? So you could have one for whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I would imagine that you would you would be the Pez dispenser, like you would pull Pez out of your neck. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just like Miho made Benicio del Toro in Sin City. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Pez. Okay. Um, what what color are your hover boots? Uh, they're uh, they're fuchsia. You'd have fuchsia ones. Yeah, I mean, are you talking about the trail? No, the boots themselves. Oh, the, the boots shoes. themselves. Yeah, sure, fuchsia. <laughs> fuchsia. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Would the you trail. Be like... The trail looks awesome. <laughs> so fuchsia. Yeah. Okay. I would want them to look like big cartoon sneakers. There you go. <laughs> Maybe like some Reebok pumps on them too. Yeah. Really get really get that that sky surfing going when you re, when you rebot pump it up. Exactly, <laughs> Chappelle style. Yeah, my question was fairly simple. So there you go. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on then. That's how you play. No, no everybody. everybody. All right, let's move on now to add quickies. Jim. Each week on out now we see one main movie of the week, but we have that movie that we see during the week. That's why the quickies. Jim. I got that. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I was happy with it. Yeah. Abe, have you seen any other movies recently? Uh, I watched Jupiter Ascending, and then I was like, yeah, I'm going to go watch John Wick again. So I went to go watch John Wick. John Wick did come out last week, and I actually watched it last night as well. <laughs> did you? Yes, I did. With Boom. The, with, with the commentary. I oh, oh, okay. All right. I just watched it because it is, a, is a, you know, action sequence is pretty fun. It's, that's just a fun I've seen it three times now. That's just a fun movie. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan, have you seen any other movies this week? Uh, this week, all I saw was Jupiter Ascending. Um... But but previously discounting Sundance, right? Yeah, I was kind of I, I've been I was almost like I guess you could say detoxing on movies. Plus, I had a whole DVR full of stuff to catch up on when I came back. Uh-huh. Um, so just a lot of TV. But uh, on the plane back from uh, Utah, I did watch Edge of Tomorrow again, which uh, is still amazing. Yes, thank you. Cool. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. I guess I'll go for both of these things then that I've seen. One is one of the worst things I've seen in the past few years. The other is the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water, which is a lot of fun. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. It looks fun. It's fun. It made fifty-six million dollars this weekend. Only? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's I like mean, I was thinking that I was gonna make like fifty-seven, but I'm so surprised. Like <laughs> I, I was surprised that the movie was being made in general just because it's been so long since the first movie came out, and it seems like SpongeBob isn't really relevant anymore i guess but like i guess the fan base is still there so yet it is i mean the it's, you know show's still on kids still like it i liked it <laughs> i'm a spongebob fan wait is the show st- are they still making new episodes that's a fun they- question that i don't know offhand the answer to but <laughs> yeah i mean the first that's, movie- that, that's why I, would, I i don't think they are because that's why i thought it was weird that they were doing a new movie i was surprised as well given that the first one came out in 2004 so. yeah <laughs> no it's still going 
Well, that's cool. <laughs> is, that 10, is that 10 seasons? Well, there I you go. What, I don't know what seasons consist of for SpongeBob, but I mean, still, still apparently going. Interesting. People well, with kids write in. <laughs> <laughs> I think we only know one listener with kids. Maybe two. Maybe two. We have a few. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, still, it's still apparently go. Regardless, it's a fun movie. Um, I, yeah. I enjoy myself in SpongeBob, and yeah, making fifty-six million dollars that was that was a hell of a way to uh, unseat American Sniper from the top of the box office. <laughs> Can't say so much for these next two movies. Uh, one of which is Seventh Son, which is god awful. It wow, is, it is terrible. It is that's like... not the one with Nicolas Cage. No. Because he also had something like that where he's hunting witches back in like yeah yeah season the of the witch oh see it's called season of the witch yeah, yeah. but it, it probably doesn't oh. feature that song um, <laughs> season of, isn't that from what's his name director of swordfish Dominic Senna because he's done like a lot of crap lately like since since then if you're, assuming that you consider swordfish it is Dominic movie, Senna right because he did that he did like whiteout with uh, Kate Beckinsale. Um, Regardless, Seventh Son, which is not related to this whatsoever, besides the fact that it has witches, uh, it's a terrible, terrible movie. Like Jeff Bridges and Julianne Moore, they, they're certainly in it. That's for sure. That's the, that's 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 something they can say they did. I mean, once. in Hollywood, you owe people favors from time to time, so you just show up for the movie. But boy, like not <laughs> like Jeff Bridges is like spectacularly terrible. Where like I feel like he knows he's being this bad. It's all like, but it's not like it's not self-aware enough to realize it's like <laughs> look what i'm doing here like it's not that bad but it's still like really bad it's just it's just a horrible movie is he channeling the dude in any capacity or is it just no blase <laughs> oh wow that bad huh <laughs> it's, it seems like he's like it's more his true grit Mr. character Mr. Yeah. Meets Gandalf. yeah that's a perfect way to describe <laughs> it yeah that, that's a that's a that's a pretty apt way to describe that <laughs> but yeah no it is it is a it is not a good movie I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Let's move on. I was at the quickies. Yep. Let's go to movie trailer talk. Where each week we talk about some of the newest movie trailers and what we thought of them when they're coming out, what have you. And this week, we... <laughs> this week we got our own little short film in the form of Magic Mike, extra extra large XXL as it's referred to. I, I think they're talking about T-shirts. I'm pretty see. sure. Yeah. This is of course the much needed sequel to Magic Mike. Um, which uh, we all liked on this podcast. I Surprisingly, believe, it, was it was pretty it was decent. Yeah. I was surprised it's a Steven Soderbergh movie. Was, I was surprised. I was I like, was... wow, I'm surprised by this male stripper movie that I'm watching by myself in a theater with five other women. But yeah, this is the sequel. Soderbergh's not involved because he's busy directing Clive Owen on Cinemax these days. Well, that's not entirely true. He's, he's the director of photography. That's, yes, that is true. Yes, he is the, he's the director of photography. But Gregory Jacobs, who I believe is usually Steven Soderbergh's, he's one of his... <laughs> What, one of his uh, direct DPs, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, cause, and he also produced the first Magic Mike, I think. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And so most of the boys from Tampa are back, um, excluding Matthew McConaughey and everyone's favorite Alex Pettifer, um, <laughs> the kid, the kid. But everyone else has returned for this sequel, which I assume involves more magic and more Mike. Um, the trailer starts off as like a genuine music video before turning into something else and with all of that said Ethan what were your thoughts on the first Magic Mike and are you excited for the sequel uh yeah actually I I um also found myself surprisingly enjoying uh the the Magic Mike movie uh Channing Tatum was great in it it's a I've always I, I appreciate his comedy stuff because that's what really kind of got me on the side of liking him because I used to absolutely despise him I thought he was terrible 
Um, and then 21 Jump Street came along and stuff like that, and I was into him, and Magic Mike just worked for me. It was it was fun, and uh, yeah, so it's, and I like the trailer. Um, it's like, it's basically like a, you know, a flash dance homage, and then like, well, the vibe I get from the movie, and I kind of hope that this is what it's like, is it almost feels like they're going to do like Animal House meets Magic Mike in a way, because like the, the plot description it kind of sounds like this big like road trip thing where they're just going to go crazy and like do this big final show. And there's not really like much in the vein of like a major conflict or anything like that. So I, I feel like it's just going to be fun. Abe, three words for you. Big Dick Richie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first Magic Mike was pretty okay. I, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was pretty uh, decent. And if you've got that Channing Tatum could dance, Dude, Channing Tatum is an amazing dancer. No he, one he forgets was... that Channing Tatum can dance. Some people think that he can't dance anymore. No, you don't lose that. You, you can still dance. If you see him ghost uh, ghost riding with uh, Jonah Hill in 22 Jump Street, he's, like, amazing. He is the to star of the original Step Up. I mean, people uh, I know. know he can dance. <laughs> Anyhow, this movie looks okay. I mean, I I'm kind of on board with it, primarily because it's just Channing Tatum being charismatic again. And also, apparently, Donald... Uh, Donald, uh, whatchamacallit? Donald Glover. Donald Glover's in this movie. I was like, what's he gonna do? So. Oh, well, I'm, I'm actually even more interested because, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is in it as a club owner, and then. Oh, so she's playing Fish Mooney from Gotham? <laughs> and then, uh, Andy McDowell's also in it, of all people. Andy McDowell? She still tries to act? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay. I mean, she's got a lot of money from the makeup commercials. That's that's hey. great for her. Well, plus, <laughs> like Groundhog Day, uh, you know, on AMC all the time. <laughs> At least she's in Florida, so she can actually use her accent and not try to fake like she doesn't have one. There you go. <laughs> um, I'm being really harsh on Andy McDowell, but I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, she's wondering why. She's just crying down the corner. I'm uh, I'm fine with this movie existing, and I'll be happy to see it. I think the the funny thing is, like, it got rid of the worst element from the last movie. Which Cody Alex, Horn? Which was Alex, well, that and oh. Alex Pettifer. Basically those two siblings. But it's, like, also removed one of the best elements, which is, of course, Matthew McConaughey. So it's like, all right, well, we're splitting the difference here. We're still getting the rest of this, which it looks like just fun. So, you know, yeah, why not? Let's see Magic Mike extra, extra large uh, coming July 1st. So, you know, this 4th of July weekend. 4th of July, <laughs> get your movie going on. Yeah. I keep looking at Magic Mike XXL, and it's like, that's that's a pretty good... I think they, they nailed that sequel title. That's that's pretty good. That's, that's I mean, like, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's at not least like, it's not like it, Magic Mike 2. Well, it's not it's not too fast, too furious level of good, but it's like, if they're going to make a sequel title, I'm, I'm glad that's, you know, that's there. Yeah, um, I thought Ma Magic Mike Miami Heat that would have been nice, but I think that's already <laughs> been taken. So uh, we'll have to go from there, I guess. Speaking of Channing Tatum, let's uh, move on now. Let's get to our main film review for Jupiter Ascending. Make sure this is the right one. It's her. Good. Kill her. Who are you? Game-wise, I'm here to know what in the hell is going on. I think we might have stumbled into a war with some of the most powerful dynasties in the universe. Why is this happening to me? You are royalty. Your majesty. You are in for a surprise when you find out what I do for a living. It's not what you do. It's what you are. Alright, so that should have been some of the trailer for Jupiter Ascending. This is the new film from the Wachowskis. It involves... Oh boy, I didn't even write a thing for this. It involves a... Um... <laughs> 
I usually write a thing out to like, get it ready, but basically the Wachowskis have created their own kind of sci-fi fantasy film. Takes a lot from both kind of Star Wars and from the Matrix, uh, their own film, and you know, obviously Star Wars, where you have a person realizing that they're essentially the chosen one, waking up, realizing that their reality is not the reality they think it is, and then they're thrust into this intergalactic battle going on between both siblings and various assortments of half-man, half-creature beings that are all squabbling over various, I guess, profit margins and, and trading and what have you to seek further control of certain parts of the vast galaxy that we are none the wiser to here on Earth. The film stars Channing Tatum, Mila, I think that was pretty apt given all that's going on in this movie, <laughs> doing that offhand. <laughs> the film stars Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis, Sean Bean, Oscar nominee Eddie Redmayne, and many more. Um, with all of that said, let's start start with Ethan, and I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts on the Wachowskis in general? Well, are you like a fan of theirs? Do you like their films? And what did you think of this film? Uh, yeah, I am. I, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I enjoy pretty much all of the Wachowski stuff. I'm actually even kind of an apologist for the conclusion of the Matrix franchise. Um, not not so much Revolutions, but like I think that Reloaded gets lumped in with Revolutions just because you know they were shot together, and in the, the, the people don't like the sequels as much as the original, obviously. But I think Reloaded is an amazing sequel, but it's just tainted by the fact that Revolutions is such a terrible conclusion. I can tell you right now that Reloaded is my favorite in that series. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, the action is cool. It sets it sets up a great story, but it's just the problem is it just fizzles out. Um, but no, I, I, Cloud Atlas was great. Uh, I'm one of those people who loves Speed Racer because oh, yeah. it's like it's just it is what it is, and it's fun and cool. Um, and yeah, so I, I was hopeful for this, but like, this feels like a diet Wachowski movie. Like someone tried to make a Wachowski sci-fi movie and failed miserably, which is so disappointing. There's some grand, you know, sci-fi ideas and themes in there. It's clear that they had an idea of like a cool story, um, to like weave, weave in with that, you know, like, cause it's, it's, it's basically a typical fairy tale, but weaved in with all their sci-fi stuff, it could have been cool, but it seems like tons of stuff was cut in favor of just, uh, you know, sci-fi action, which is kind of cool for 15 minutes, but then the chases get boring and stale, and it just it, it falls flat. And it's it's all over the place as far as tone and uh, yeah, it's just like the the way I described it when I saw it afterwards. It's basically it's Super Mario Brothers, Battlefield Earth, and Men in Black all thrown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh boy. Would you say you had fun with it? Uh, at times, um, we'll, like, get, we'll get back to this. I'm just curious if 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 you'd say you had fun because I have a, I have mixed feelings on using that word to describe the movie as a whole as well. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I found myself enjoying it from time to time, but mostly I was just baffled as to like what was going on because there's some stuff that just doesn't make sense and it's just it's so weird, but not in the way that like you want it to be weird because you expect you know that kind of uh you know out out of this world you know uh, thing from the, the Wachowskis, but it's um. It just doesn't land is the problem. It's 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 this big mess and it never comes together. Abe, remind us your thoughts on the Wachowskis and what did you think of the film? So among the three of us, I'm probably the least uh, into the Wachowskis. I did enjoy The Matrix. I didn't really enjoy the two sequels as much. And everything that they've done since, I feel as though they've, they've been getting a pass because of the success on The Matrix. And I also feel as though uh, they've made a, a, a ton of money, which is great. Uh, so that helps fuel their their next creative endeavors. Um, but at the same time, I'm just – I think to myself, is it time to step up a little bit like in terms of less visual effects and a little bit more storytelling? Um, so that's where I am with the, with, with the Wachowski. They're not even the Starship anymore. They're just the Wachowskis. 
Um, well, that was more of like a kind of online dubbing rather than what they actually oh, is it? Okay. credited themselves as, yes. They never, they never write that. Okay, I yeah. gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, but as far as Jupiter Ascending goes, I was really bored by it. I thought it was very confusing, complex. Not even in a, in a, in a hard-to-understand way. It was just more of, let's just throw a bunch of ideas on the screen and see what sticks kind of thing. And I also found that it was lacking in terms of character development, reasons why I should care about some of these people, world building, etc., etc., etc. The opening of the movie was so ridiculous, I just sat, said out loud in the theater, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Uh, because why would this, this home invasion thing happen? I understand that this, it's an impetus for, for the rest of the story, but at the same time, it just... It's really out of left field. Did you just ask why crime happens? No, I, I asked. <laughs> okay. I asked because that's what happened. It's, it's I crime. suppose <laughs> and same, it's the same thing with like a Batman story, right? Well, why would they choose to go down a dark alleyway? Um, no, but I, I thought that it was kind of a, overall just a very weak movie, and it, it's 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 kind of as though it, it maybe there was some semblance of an idea, like Ethan was saying. I I I don't really want to give it that much credit because if i said american sniper was a bad movie this is this is also a bad movie so there we go okay <laughs> um as far as my thoughts on the wachowskis i used to be able to say i've loved everything they've done from bound to you know to to before this to cloud atlas um i was i've been a huge fan of everything that a revolution uh, revolutions um would be at the bottom of that list but i still appreciate it for kind of its visual splendor and whatnot, especially in terms of kind of a, being a sci-fi mech war movie. Um, but this movie, I really wanted to like it. I was going in, I was hoping, it's like, this is a new original sci-fi property. It's got the Wachowskis involved. I like this cast. And it's just, it's not there. Um, I would I would disagree with Abe on the world. I think the world bidding is one, one of the things that's done incredibly well in terms of getting us, establishing all these new things and, Stuff that works for potential for a potential franchise that's probably not going to happen, given that this movie you know flopped and nobody really liked it all that much. But there's so much here, there's so many neat things on display that I like. I wanted to be able to invest in all that, but I couldn't. And I feel like the problem is the storytelling. I agree with the with that. I think the the script is just not fully brought together in like a competent way, which is a little strange because I generally like the storytelling that the Wachowskis do, even if it's some of its mumbo jumbo sometimes when it comes to like Matrix philosophy. Or, you know, the the idea of blending kind of family melodrama with sports politics for Speed Racer. Like, I like all that a lot, and it's never confusing. This is the first time where I'm like, there's a... I don't, I don't quite know what's happening until you kind of reduce it down to what it is, which is Mila Kunis gets kidnapped and then rescued over and over and over again. Meanwhile, you have to... I guess the stakes are involving Oscar nominee Eddie Redmayne's profit margins when it comes to how much money he's going to make based off this one thing, which is not all that interesting when you look at it. It's like... <laughs> I will say, though, that he had... He doesn't really have a great character, uh, but he has some of the better exposition lines in the movie. I love his character. His character is amazing to me. Where he's, his character is, is he's, okay. He's, he's whisper calm until he gets angry, and then he gets really angry. I, Go! It's the one. He's one of the few people in this movie who's like he seemed to be invested in the person he was playing, whereas I, I as much as I like Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum, they're doing fine, but they seem fairly like stock characters as opposed to people that are playing characters. I mean, even yeah, I feel like Eddie Redmayne, yeah, had a, a totally like fleshed out character and like really put effort into his role. 
where Channing Tatum, he even kind of gave up on like having more of an accent and just was like, yeah, I got ears. Like, I don't even. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he, just, he just speaks a little bit more eloquently. Like, yes. he, he, he enunciates a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, exactly. That's a great point because in the beginning, he starts out with an accent. Later, he's just like, I forgot where that accent went. <laughs> And like I addressed, I asked you, Ethan, if you thought it was fun, and I asked that because there are parts that are fun, but then there's just a long slog where it's not fun, and I think it's because the stakes are never all that incredible. Like it never feels like there's much here that really makes me want to like root for something to happen beyond not seeing Channing Tatum or Mila Kunis die, which you know comes with the territory when you have the lead stars, you know, doing things. But like something i was like i was invested in really was the was the action where in terms of coming into what i was hoping to get where i felt even with all this bad buzz with the delays and whatnot at least i'm probably going to get a visually marvelous and really cool action movie and i only got half of that i only got the art visual part i only got to see all these great things because it looks great and sounds great i think the giacchino score is fantastic in this movie um but the action was lacking, which is strange for a, for a Wachowski for a Wachowski's movie. Well, how do you define the how do you define action though? How do I define action? Yeah, are you talking like seeing you know, compelling of... seeing compelling scenes that involve people in some kind of chase or fight or what have you? And I feel like I only got one of those, even though there's a lot of action in this movie. I feel see I feel so there's a lot of action, but it's I do agree with you that it's it's the weakest of their movies, even including Speed Racer because Speed Racer has an awesome it's car. Foo, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And with this one, I felt the I felt as though it was kind of just like Channing Tatum doing a, a sonic boom kick from Guile over and over again, twice. Yeah, <laughs> that, and then that was using his, his yeah using his gaming mouse on his left hand to create a shield, um, and then having uh, hover boots with uh, the ability to rollerblade sky surfing. The city. He's sky surfing. <laughs> the, only, the only the only action I liked was the first one where they're on Earth and they're like going all over Chicago. Like that scene was awesome to me. I was really enjoying that. It was fun. It was dynamic. It had all kinds of things going on. The score was doing everything right. Every so other every other one felt repetitive to me. Yeah. Everyone so here's felt... how I knew that the Wachowskis were thinking about the movies because in that first sequence after Chang Tatum goes through the the clinic and whatever else, you know, they're in Chicago doing the sky fight and. There's a ton of people that die. And then later, Channing Tatum's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's rebuilding itself. And also, you guys are going to be men in black with this giant uh, forgetting ray for about, you know, the last 30 minutes. So it's like, oh, well, you know, that tells me that they thought about the script. They thought about, you know, what these characters are doing. Um, but the execution of it just doesn't seem as though it's all fully there. I think Ethan was talking about that a little bit earlier, too. Um, so I'd be curious to see, you know... Is there going to be uh, another one of these? Probably not. It'd be kind of cool to see it, I suppose. But I guess that's just the, destru the destruction of the other two siblings, right? So, I don't know. Yeah, it's I. Uh, I it's just the biggest problem for me is it just feels like that there's chunks missing and like nothing really like uh, plays out in a way that actually matters. And like you, you mentioned the stakes and like how they're, they're not really all that big or high and you don't care, like. Uh, I, I did. I like the, the touches of stuff like that when they they talk about you know uh, blanking people and then like the, I, I love the, there's a throwaway line but when Shane Tatum he's like they're not going to get everybody but even the people that uh, will remember no one's going to believe them anyway which I, I kind of like because like it creates this uh, the idea of that the reason there are you know crazy people in the world are because they saw weird things like this but no one believes them because you, it's so stupid you get you get that scene which is a nice throwaway line then you later you get the scene where like a spaceship takes off and it leaves a crop like crop circles crop circle. yeah. <laughs> little stuff like that that like 
puts it in in like a real world perspective, which is cool. But then like nothing else uh, once you used to get into space and like that really matters. Like the two other uh, bratty kids who want Earth for themselves, like whenever they're dispatched with and their part of the movie is done, like that's it. Like they don't they don't want to keep trying to get Jupiter or anything like that. And like it doesn't really matter. Like uh, we need to get off the ship. Like after the wedding is uh, spoiled and then like there's no struggle really to get away <laughs> it's very vi- it's yeah. very it's very video gamey in that way where even yeah. though you don't finish off the boss you're past that level so no reason to go backwards but it's in it and that's why it feels kind of repetitive because you're just seeing it's like oh mila kuna's gotten another troubling situation where she once again believed somebody and then had to be rescued which is another strange thing for the wachowskis they seem to be pretty up on how to keep getting you know, their protagonists as people that you know can fend for themselves and as much as Neil Kunis does you know she she gets into her own skirmishes or whatnot it's still you know a woman being saved by Channing Tatum every step of the way <laughs> that seems to I, be I thought about that too because there's a toward the end of the movie when she's kind of running away away from an exploding from everything uh, everything's yeah. blowing up at the end of the movie <laughs> I was thinking like this is kind of weird because uh, it sort of showed her as starting to gain this independence starting to gain this understanding of the, how the universe is working how she fits into their world and whatever else and then all of a sudden it's just Damsel in distress, and uh, she doesn't wear glasses. But when the the clock is ringing four forty five, there's a pair of glasses there, and I was thinking, oh man! But then it's actually for her aunt, and I was like, okay, well, I guess you, at least you didn't give her glasses and have her running away. To it, I mean, uh, to a, I mean, she is just a normal person that just kind of found all this stuff, and like it, it gives her the opportunity to be more active. But I can understand not being fully able to, you know sky surfer way out of a planet exploding or whatever so i mean right <laughs> i mean she wouldn't have been able to do that either if she didn't have the gravity boots at the time yeah gravity boots also yeah. another thing about her character uh because uh, um i read part of her ama on reddit that she did for jupiter ascending mm-hmm. which is uh, something that kind of makes me think that um there was much more that we didn't get to see happen because in her ama someone asked her what made her choose jupiter ascending for her next movie and her response was, um, she was like, she says, this is one of like the first times you get to see the female be a heroine versus a damsel in distress. She kicks ass, which is always a rarity in the industry. In sci-fi films, it's uncommon for the woman to be the badass. But the Lara Croft movies, Aliens, the fact that you can count it as uh, a problem versus all the action films where the heroes are always men. And I was like, but you don't, you're not a badass in that movie. You are just a damsel in distress. You literally don't do anything cool until you uh, beat the shit out of Eddie Redmayne at the end of the right. movie. Huh. Are those flying boots? They use the force of gravity, redirecting it into differential equation slopes that you can surf. Yeah, I heard gravity and surf. Up is hard, down is easy. Thank you. Wow. Our ride's here. Ready? I need to walk out of a hundred-story window with you in your gravity boots onto an invisible this spaceship. This might make it easy. Oh, okay. And then even then, you it's not a whole lot to really give yourself the, the title of a badass, right? I, I just didn't really like the way that her character was portrayed in terms of, okay, well, you know, I was going to go to school and then I got stuck with this life here and I, I hate my life. Because all I do is wake up and go and clean pe- other pe- rich people's homes. Um, and then later, like, okay, well, now I've been taken away by by Channing Tatum. My, my it's a prince. Cinderella story. Yeah, which is uh, – I also found this reference in the movie. They, they basically reference a ton of other movies in this movie. 
explicitly. They're like, oh, well, how's the Beauty and the Beast thing going? And then the Cinderella story going. And then I love the Super Mario stuff because I thought it was the same thing with the uh, the Koopa and the dinosaurs the, and whatever the, the, else. The, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, you know, her, her story is not really or, – or I'm sorry, her character is not really mm-hmm. one that arcs so well that it's like, okay, well – you know, all of a sudden she's uh, Shailene Woodley in, in Divergent where she's a badass. And, you know, she's empowering young women to, you know, join the military ranks and whatever else. It's like, no, she just hangs around like what you said. She basically gets – literally gets taken around from galaxy to galaxy with her beautiful dresses and is told things about these – about her 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 uh, resemblance to someone's mother through the entire movie. And then at the end there she just – Two kicks and a punch with a pipe, and that's it. And it's like, okay, to, well. To, to its credit, I mean, it is, it, it's set up for more, I would imagine. Again, I don't think more is going to happen. But at the same time, this, the Wachowskis did give us Trinity, which, I mean, she's she's saving Neo all the time in those movies. Like. That's true. <laughs> but, I mean, for this one, you can't really say that. You can't. I don't know if it's really an excuse to say, hey, by the way, there's going to be more. And you have to see I'm how not, it develops. You know, I'm not saying it's, I mean, just, I'm just, I mean, she's not entirely ineffective in this movie. She does stuff. But I do agree with you. I'm the one that brought it up to begin with. So. Yeah. Um, I when I was talking about how it feels like there's much missing from the movie, uh one of our colleagues, Jack Garreau from Film Stage, said that he read that only eight minutes were cut from the movie, but apparently the original script was about two hundred pages. So it sounds like maybe the script just got trimmed before they shot the movie and we're getting probably the best movie that we would have gotten. <laughs> which which makes sense. I mean, given that it's a huge budget movie, so you can only it's similar. To, I'd imagine it's similar to like animated movies where you can you you pl- you plan everything out ahead of time for the most part, so right. y- you know what to shoot because there's so much you know CG involved in doing this kind of stuff. Where it's like if we already have everything mapped out and we already know what's going to quote unquote work on screen, we might as well not even shoot something like this. But at the same time, yeah, I agree. I I was wondering if there was going to be like if there's more to this movie because it uh, and it makes me wonder what kind of clout the Wachowskis have because I know they're producers on this film as well and that they've. They've in the past had you know pretty much complete control over their films. Is that fair? To, is that fair to say, Ethan? You know, uh, I mean, yeah, probably. And but I feel like the, maybe the reason we got what we did is because after Cloud Atlas, like Warner Brothers wanted to see what they could do, maybe with something a little bit more mainstream. And and uh-huh. like I imagine that they probably had some influence as to like the film that we got and what was cut from the script and what they decided to let them. Yeah. So. Because he also, I mean, it's as much as I love Speed Racer, and you love Speed Racer, and a lot of us love Speed Racer, a uh, friend of the show, Scott Meadows, I believe that was his favorite film of that year, the movie did flop hard. Like, that one didn't make any money right. either. And, like, and even re- and Revolutions wasn't the big moneymaker that Reloaded was either. So, I mean, it, it's been a kind of dis- a descent for the Wachowski in terms of kind of the the money they've made, which is, makes me hard. It makes it hard for me to think that they're getting passes, even though they still get to make these big elaborate movies. But that's what I'm saying. I feel as though maybe they're they're basically just creating a bunch of a, of awesome endeavors for themselves because they are so rich right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, but they're not funding these movies themselves. <laughs> they're not like putting up the, this money. The studios are. The studios are backing them. The studios are the ones that see that the movies see it not making any money to, to pick it up. Yeah. yeah, but like they're the ones not making money, so. Someone out there likes them. That seems very clear to me. <laughs> um, I do think uh, there's there's a Wired article out there that I fully support where it's saying uh, oh, why you should see Jupiter Ascending uh, even though it's stupid, and it really is. <laughs> um, because <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, if if the movie's bad, fine, but, like, if we don't see stuff like this, then, like, it, we're, we're not going to get more original sci-fi. We're just going to get more remakes and reboots and sequels. 
Exactly. See, so that's Which, something that I can't appreciate, right? So I'm glad that the Wachowskis aren't doing something that just, like, for the hell of it, uh, some sort of box office draw that has a bunch of large-name actors and basically says, hey, here's something that I think you, or I know has fit a formula and you guys can go watch and enjoy. Which you, At least which you just you described Seventh Son to the T right there. Or is that really what? Wow. It's, a, it's based off a book, it has big stars, and it looks like other things you've also seen before. <laughs> I mean, I honestly thought that, that Seven Sun was like, I don't know. I, I Anyway, I'm glad that they're doing that. So they have enough uh, they have enough confidence in themselves to basically go go ahead with these types of movies. I just don't know where that falls. And it's not from, I'm not trying to speak for an audience, I'm trying to speak for the movie itself. I don't know, like, creatively, are they just losing control of it because the studio wants them to, to cut out a few things? Or is it just that their ideas aren't really that good anyway, and they just have really beautiful visual effects. Because I mean, the art in here is really nice when they're pl- when they're traveling through planets and whatever else. I think they there's have plenty of great scenes. ideas here. I think there's a lot to admire about what's going on. In but this where movie. where does it fall short then? I, I I don't. It just falls short in execution. I think I, I don't I don't think that I mean I, the, the way they're trying the way they're trying to make the story work. I, I get that it's trying to be different as opposed to having the same old thing of like an evil empire coming after you know some rebels all the star wars they're trying to do something a little different a little more like oriented towards what they've done with like the matrix where they have this kind of earth is really like a farm and they're you know you're harvesting this farm and there's there's politics and business at stake which again it's just not that interesting compared to something much simpler like a well, giant force coming at it's, you it's kind of a recycling of the matrix of, of how except that people are just being harvested for you know whatever it is that they can use to make people uh younger as as opposed to just using them as batteries yeah and it's mm. and what's it's it's almost like and i was i was thinking about ridley scott in this comparison where it's like ridley scott did blade runner he did sci-fi he did alien and blade runner and they're great and then he did fantasy he did legend and that wasn't great and it feels like the wachowskis they've done sci-fi they've done the matrix and that worked out really well for them now they've done this kind of more fantastical thing even though it's still in space i guess well it's the first time in space they haven't gone to space before and it's not good it's like <laughs> they they have all the elements there to make something good they know how to direct things they know how to present you with this grand new world and build that up and make that special it's just something about that didn't work out as well for them it's just it feels it feels lesser like you like you've said it feels like a lesser wachowskis even though the vision is there. Like, it's not like they didn't put effort into this. It's just, it didn't turn out well. And it doesn't have much to support, like, as much, as good as the visuals are, it doesn't have anything to, like, I can't even say, like, see it for the vision. I could say see it, but I see it, see it just because it's different and unique. And I want, I love things like that to, you know, be successful, even if it's ridiculously expensive. <laughs> it's like, well, at least it happened. Uh, but but is it, is it unique? I mean, we've, we've said that it is to some degree in terms of sci-fi genre, but it's unique we've brought up a of... lot of, we've brought up a lot of movies that it, also calls back to yes and but i feel I, so those movies might be a little bit tighter and they all, even though super mario brothers is a terrible movie it is a with terrible john leguizamo was long john leguizamo and uh bob hoskins it's i i mean to some degree i can i can understand and i even thought this in the theater last night which is just i guess this movie would be for like seven to ten year olds who are really for really what, jupiter in, ascending yeah jupiter ascending now that that's a good that's a good thing to bring up because i was thinking about that too when i was after I saw the movie and like, but how... I didn't want to make an excuse for it. No, because right? no, it's but a bad get, movie. Me, yes, but let me get to the point of that. Yeah. I was trying to think, would my would my younger self appreciate this movie? And I don't think it would. And I think Interesting. it's and I and I think it's because the plot's too weird and like and weirdly complex, despite being deceptively simple in terms of you know Kunis gets 
kidnapped and rescued over and over again, but it's still in terms of the politics at play, it's not that interesting. And I thought of that in relation to the prequels, the Star Wars prequels, where I don't know if, if you know, the seven-year-olds love the idea of, you know, the Trade Federation dealing with tariffs on Naboo, <laughs> but they love lightsaber fights and space battles. And that's what gets you going. I mean, I think there's stuff in those movies, regardless of what you think about the prequels, there's stuff you remember about them in terms of the action, and the action's exciting in those movies. Mm. I can't say as much for Jupiter, so it makes me wonder, what is that What is that younger audience think about a movie like this? Unless they really enjoy seeing Channing Tatum do the same flip kick move over and over again. I mean, they really enjoy the wheelies that he's wearing. <laughs> he's now wearing gonna, wheelies, you're right. He's going to go out and buy it. It's the next generation's version, it's, of Yeah, it's the, it's the second coming of wheelies. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by thinking about it as uh, like a kid's space adventure. Because I, wa- I wonder if kids did see this, if they, if they would, would actually like it. Um, right? That's, that's an interesting thought. Like it, It's almost like they, it would... It would almost give give a little bit of leeway of like maybe the Wachowskis were trying to make something more accessible for like younger audiences, kind of like Speed Racer. It do, well, it does feel like that. I mean, this, well, it give besides like maybe the opening scene in terms of the intensity, it's pretty much a YA novel brought to life, even though it's not based. Essentially, on like, that's, yeah, the, and, that's kind of the tone here. And then if you if you listen to some of the dialogue and you think about it, it's like, well, it's not complex at all. Stinger said that you attacked an entitled ones. Stinger talks too much. Is it true? Doesn't matter. We all do things we can't explain. I said it was in my genes. You know, the defect of my genome engineering. <laughs> Could explain a lot of things about me. Like the fact that I have an uncanny ability to fall for men that don't fall for me. Maybe I have defective engineering too. And if that's the case, is there any way to fix it? You are royalty now. I'm a splice. You don't understand what that means, but I have more in common with a dog than I have with you. I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. It's actually just more for it's more yeah, about like, paying attention than complexity. Like if yeah, you pay attention to everything then, in this movie, you'll get it. It's just. I, I, I paid attention. I didn't get some of that stuff. I was like, who the hell are some of these people and what do they do and whatever else? But for the most part, it's, again, I didn't want to give it that excuse of like, oh, well, it's not for an audience like me. It's an audience for, you know, these 10-year-olds to 13-year-olds. Oh, yeah, I would never say that either. Again, I really like the SpongeBob movie. So, I mean, that's like, it's, it's mad as little. I want to see that movie. <laughs> anyway, so I thought about that last night. I was thinking maybe that's something that, that could be said about this. And maybe that's who they're going for. But... It ultimately is a little bit too bloody for that, and it ultimately also is a little bit too it's too. It's not that bloody though. I mean, the maybe the opening where you know Dad gets shot, like it's not even bloody though. It's just more of like that happened. Like, <laughs> but it's not like it's not it's not. I mean, even like the guns they have, they're just like guns that blow people back a few feet. They're not even like things that really. Yeah, they're minority you. report guns. They're minority. Yeah, exactly. They got six sticks and blow guns. Like they're they're doing it that way. <laughs> So seven-year-old listeners of podcasts, write in about your thoughts of Jupiter Ascending and if you comprehended the plot. Handwritten notes only. Because <laughs> we want to see how cute your handwriting is. <laughs> Any other thoughts on, on Jupiter? Not I mean, wholly. Yeah, not, not, not really. <laughs> I mean, other, other than, like, ragging on it some more, which I could probably do for the... <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, I did like the, I like the, um, the bureaucracy scene where they're, like, running around trying to get all these forms and things. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Which had this amazing tag of "Let's have a cameo by Terry Gilliam to really Brazil it up here." 
But at the same time, that also felt like it was from a completely different movie. It, I thought that too. I could see that, but I was still, it, seemed, it seemed like a break. It seemed like a breather, if anything, from like the action stuff that we're getting a lot of. I was like, well, this is fun. Like We're just walking around and having this kind of comedy scene play. It felt very, I mean... It felt like a, it felt like uh, getting a Jim a Jim Broadbent segment from Cloud Atlas in the midst yeah. of like Jim Darcy doing like super slow mo moves and the other sci fi portions of Cloud Atlas. Yeah. All right. Okay. It, all, all right. right. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we've 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 described and talked about and discussed Jupiter Ascending well enough. With all that said, uh, Ethan, when, when would you recommend people see this movie? Uh. I mean, I, w- I would just say just to m- maybe go see in theaters just to support original sci-fi. But, like, if you're not that kind of person, you can you can wait until you can watch it for free at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'd really just say don't even bother. Like, this is not – I don't really know. I don't think it's worth your time at all. You know what? You, you buy a ticket. You go see Selma. Who loses, right? There you go. <laughs> That's I, no, a good I, point. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I mean, I would recommend seeing it just to judge it for yourself, but also, you know, give in to the fact that, hey, maybe we can see more of this if it makes a little bit more money. Uh, also, the 3D is pretty great in this movie. I'm oh, not okay. going to lie about that. I, I think the 3D is pretty fantastic. Uh, but it's, no, it's, it's really solid. I mean, that's what happens when you, you know, film in 3D. But, mm. look, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have expected less from the Wachowskis to make a competent-looking 3D movie. But, so there. Um, let's move on. Let's uh, let's get to our sponsor real quick before we get back to other things. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. There's a bunch of audiobooks you can download at audibletrial.com. Podcast. You can put them on your MP3 device and listen to them. I chose a thing to recommend, The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury, because why not, right? Yeah, why not? And um, that's just one of many, many things you can find at audibletrial.com. Podcast. For the listeners out now, Theron and Abe, you can get a free audiobook download of a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you get to download the book that you downloaded for free. You get to keep that. So, be a winner. Read. Or listen. Audibletrial.com. Podcast. Everybody wins. All right. So, let's move on now. Let's get to out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we discuss some of the various answers and questions that were received on our Facebook page this week, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We had a lot of, uh, we had a few questions here. We had got a lot of good questions we can answer as well. So with all that said, Abe, why don't you start us off? Sure. So the first question we asked is, the Wachowskis have Jupiter Ascending arriving in theaters this weekend. What is everyone's favorite film from the filmmaking duo? Uh, Rob writes The Matrix, even with Keanu Reeves' terrible acting, although I guess he was supposed to play dumb. Whatever. Whoa, downplaying the Reeves there. He Reeves is easy. He does what he does in that movie. Go watch John Wick. <laughs> Go watch most Reeves movies. He's he's he's, he's pretty fine in it. What's the what's the bad movie with Reeves? Like what's 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 the one where he like he himself is giving like a bad performance? I would go I would go old go older, obviously. I'd go to like what's it, Brana's um Can, uh Brana's uh, Much Ado About Nothing and Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula and Dracula. And even point break, it's not like well, point the... Break, he's like 20 years old. I mean, well, what does that mean, Abe? It means that he's uh, he's an FBI agent with a surfer attitude. <laughs> he's, his name's Johnny Utah. He's not a surfer. <laughs> he has to learn how to surf. He doesn't have a surfer I attitude. am an FBI agent. Anyway. Ethan, are you a Keanu Reeves fan? Uh, I would say, like, I'm I'm split. Uh, I think I like him. I, I don't criticize him as harshly um as some people do like he's definitely made some pretty poor choices when it comes to the kind of movies he makes but he's um i don't know like he's got this strange kind of charisma that makes him appealing which is obviously why he keeps working so that's i i would say i like maybe like 
50% of the movies he makes, but I usually enjoy him in even even in the bad movies. That's fair enough. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Anyhow, Philip Wright's Cloud Atlas, one of my favorite movies uh, of all time. Great story, great cast, great performances, visual effects, editing, and beautiful score to boot. Read the book. I actually wrote my review of Jupiter Sitting while listening to the score of Cloud Atlas. Oh, that's nice. It was Six nice. Smith. <laughs> Jason writes, um, The Matrix won because it's okay. So next up, the Wachowskis are known for their use of slow motion. What movies that have slow motion do you love? Jose writes, Dread. I believe you guys had a particularly fun review of that movie with some very handsome guests. I have no idea who he's talking about. <laughs> um, Shalem writes, Wes Anderson immediately comes to mind. I know people think it's kind of cheating to use the classic rock songs while doing a panning slow motion shot, but I don't care. It always works for me. Also, Jackass. Um Philip also writes, insert Wes Anderson film name here, and The Natural. I didn't think about Wes Anderson when I wrote this question down. I didn't actually. think about that either. But that's, a, that's a good pick. Like, <laughs> yeah, because that's always how his movies close out. Like, I was thinking just, like, of John Woo stuff and, like, action movies. I wasn't th- I wasn't at all thinking about Wes Anderson, but that's, that's like, I'm glad two people wrote that. So clearly, yeah. <laughs> clearly they know what's up. They're listening. Yeah. Uh, Jason writes horrible bosses too. Apparently, there's slow motion in that I don't remember much. Like oh, it's, remember. no, it's it's the scene where they pretend to do slow. Motion. Oh, they pretend it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> got it. Um, that makes that a little funnier. Uh, Kung Fu Panda one, no love for two. Apparently, <laughs> but, um, Kung Fu Panda, uh, just as a tangent, has some amazing action sequences. Yes, yeah, yeah. both of them do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's very well done. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And uh, 300 was his other one. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that. What, what, other, what other slow-mo movies do you think, guys, come to mind? Any Zack Snyder movie. Any Zack Snyder movie? Zach, yeah, exactly. Zack Snyder movies and, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Guy Ritchie movies. Guy Ritchie movies? I mean, I'm thinking, like, John Woo stuff. I mean, The Killer and Hard Boil and Better Tomorrow. I mean, he's got some slow motion. He has slow motion in every shootout. You're right about that. So uh, Even, like, and I'm not a huge fan of The Untouchables as much as some people love that movie but i like brian de palma's use of slow motion in that in that 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 pivotal scene in the in the train station that's a good one mm. his movies in general have good slow motion but he doesn't he... dp de palma yeah yeah where has that guy been like bdp bdp he did something pretty recently didn't he? ethan you know uh he did that movie uh what was it called passion with numi rapasi and rachel mcadams yeah which is supposed to be like terrible <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Black Dahlia, Redacted, oh, Passion. Black Dahlia. Yeah. Oh. Redacted is actually pretty decent. I heard that, yeah. I just never, like, it never came around. Hasn't done anything since... It's been uh, a while since it's been... 2012 a... there. Yeah, Passion was... Well, he's got upcoming stuff, apparently, but, I mean, what was the last Great De Palma movie? It was, like, Femme Fatale's, like, I... Mission to Mars. Uh, Some people seem to really like... Mission Impossible, really maybe? I think so. Like, because Snake Eyes it. was not that Snake good. Snake Eyes is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first Mission Impossible is amazing. Mission Impossible, I, li- I really like Carlito's Way. I actually I say I like that more than Scarface a lot of times, actually. Carlito's uh, Way. It's been a while since we got like, hmm. a really good De, pa- De Palma movie. Mr. De Palma, please direct another movie so we can discuss it on our podcast. There you go. There you go. All right. And the next question we ask is, hey, here's a challenge. What's your favorite movie with a planet in the title? Scott writes, if anyone has says Pluto Nash, I'm going to not only barf, but point out that Pluto is no longer considered a planet. Uh, Trisha responded with, but is he a dog? (laughs) 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 Philip writes, Bridge to Terabithia. Uh, Taryn writes, Earth Girls are easy. (laughs) 
Mike writes, Planet Terror. Clever. Manish writes, do you rise and dawn of the Planet of the Apes count? Sure. I say yes. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, Christopher writes, Mars attacks. Shamefully, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. No need to be ashamed. I like another Earth. Another Earth? Yeah, quite a bit. Gross. What about after Earth? There we go. Oh, wait a minute. That's <laughs> what I was, I was confused you, you, you got it mixed up. I'm thinking of the after, Brit Marling indie love movie. <laughs> yeah, man. You're thinking of the Shyamalan soon-to-be classic after yeah, Earth. Right. Yeah, right. He's starring, a ranger, sir. Starring Focus is Will Smith. <laughs> soon, to be, soon in IMAX. Um, is it really going to be an IMAX? Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to see Margot Robbie in IMAX, I suppose. Uh, for no reason that that movie is in IMAX. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They need to show you how buff Will Smith is in, in a 50-foot screen. Any other planet movies you guys can think of? Mars Needs Moms? <laughs> Speaking of sci-fi flops. I like I like Red Planet a lot, actually. That'd be my... Oh, is that the one with Val Kilmer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. I, I always forget because there was a lot of Mars movies that came out during that time. With Gary Sinise was in one too, right? That was Mission to Mars. There Mission was, to Mars. It was those okay. two. They came, it was yeah. the, the Brian De Palma one, and then there's Red Planet. <laughs> Brian De Palma. All right. BDP, just making his way back. Can't think of any other ones. Yeah. yeah. Venus and Fur with uh, Peter O'Toole, right? No? Okay, moving on. Wait a minute. Isn't, it just, isn't that just Venus? Venus and Fur is the... Uh... Oh, that is just Venus, yeah. What's Venus and Fur? Venus and Fur is that... Uh, oh, whose movie is it? Um, I don't know, but it's got, it's got the guy from Quantum of Solace in it. And and Diving Bell and the Butterfly. I forget his oh, name. Oh, Matthew... Matthew... Matthew like, Almer. Almer, Almer, yeah. Yeah, that, I, uh, I forget who directed that, though. It's somebody notab- notable, but... Oh, I'll, I'll get it, all right gonna happen oh, it's, it's roman polanski really oh yeah, yeah it is roman yeah you're right yeah you're completely right yeah huh hmm. nailed it is there a saturn movie that we're not thinking of uh maybe <laughs> saturn 3 with farrah fawcett <laughs> i'm looking at that too well mercury I, rising i typed mercury, mercury, mercury rising <laughs> here's a fun thing i just thought about mercury rising i because i used to like this movie enough as as far as kind of bruce willis action movies that aren't die hard go and i I was thinking well so there's this child right that like the like that movie revolves around bruce willis trying to protect this child who's like autistic that solves this impenetrable like code to some government thing right he's well now they go to a lot of effort to like kill everybody ever like the parents anybody involved with this all this stuff because this kid learned this code couldn't they just change the code I no. mean, they spent millions <laughs> like, of dollars working on that specific code. Like, couldn't they just, like, turn, like, one number around? The kid would have solved it in, like, two seconds. Well, he solved it because they, like, someone, like, put the code for some reason into, like, <laughs> some put, puzzle. They put it in the Sunday paper. They put it in, like, some puzzle, and he solved it. Oh, it was, like, some subliminal thing, but he's autistic, so he could read it. Well, it's like, don't, yeah. you, just, don't you just change the code the next day? Like, isn't that the solve the problem right there? Yeah. <laughs> like... I mean, they, they were going to extremes back in the 90s. Yeah, so. I guess so. Yeah, you know, I mean, like... Also, Bruce Willis was like, I'm not going to make this movie unless I get to kill somebody. Yeah, well, and he not only gets to kill somebody, which includes Alec Baldwin, he, like, ruins all his wine, too. There's, <laughs> like, there's, like, the heat scene where, like, the bad guy and the good guy meet up and have a conversation, and he's, like, in Alec Baldwin's wine cellar. I say this, I say all of that because Alec Baldwin, of course, only plays characters that would have a wine cellar in movies. Um, 
because he's, he's that rich. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and he, like, gets this whole argument with, with Alec Baldwin, and then he's like, you know what? Like, Alec Baldwin probably says something clever, and Bruce Willis' response is, I'm just going to tip this over. And he, like, spills all of his oh, like, on the ground, like, what breaks all of his bottles. Yeah. That was like, so there. And then he walks away or something like that. So there. <laughs> Uh, let's move. What were we talking about? Let's move on to questions. Let's move on. <laughs> we yeah. got some questions. Uh, Philip asks, "Can you think of a live-action film that does a better job of paying homage to an anime than Speed Racer, uh, The Matrix? Pretty much any other Wachowski. The Wachowskis do do live-action anime. That's what I like about them for the most part. When it comes to those kind of action movies and The Matrix uh, uh, trilogy, also Scott Pilgrim was, versus the World. That was the next thing I was going to say. And Scott Pilgrim. That was, yeah, that was definitely. You know what's yeah. funny? Yeah. Uh, I don't like anime." And I mean, and that, I make, make that as a complete blanket statement. I do not like any anime. I've seen Akira. I've seen Princess Mononoke. Uh, I, I don't like the animation style. I never have. And, like, not even the cool stories can get me into them. However, when the people take that style and translate it to live action, I'm not annoyed by it. I don't know what it is. I, don't, I think maybe part of it is the character design. Um, but uh, I love Scott Pilgrim. I love Speed Racer. I like that style when I see it in live action in movies, but I can't stand anime. Then I guess you're really looking forward to Scarlett Johansson and the Ghost in the Shell live action film. And hopefully it's good. <laughs> <laughs> if they would just turn all cool anime stories into live action movies, I would probably be happy. Ethan would watch every one of them five times. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm excited for that movie too. Yeah. And that's just because I, I have full faith and confidence in whoever's helming the, the movie. I'm certainly curious. Yeah. I, I, I had to review the Ghost in the Shell 20th anniversary Blu-ray a little while ago, and I was and you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So yeah, yeah. I'm curious what a live-action version of that would look like. I kind of think it looked like you know The Matrix, but you know whatever. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Friends, Joe Jim Dees asks us: Is there a movie that you would like to see get the Criterion Collection treatment that hasn't? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that, yes. I'm going to defer to Ethan and Aaron on this one. Uh, I mean, I'm still you know obviously waiting for. Wes Anderson's other ones that haven't done it yet with uh, Moonrise and uh, most recently Grand Budapest because those will – but those will come. Like, but those are – yeah. That's just a matter he has of time. Like, he's like – all those movies are like on Criterion. Right? Yeah. All, yeah. Um, I would like some kind of uh, Criterion collection of the Before Sunrise trilogy. That would be great. Yeah. Ah, I'd love to see that. Is there, like, little movies? I, I mean, it's it's weird when you try to, like, pick out movies that you think are both, like, not just ones that are like, I love this, I want to see it, but, like, ones that, like, feel like they fit the scheme of Criterion. Yeah, I feel, I'm kind of bummed that Boyhood didn't get that Criterion collection release that was rumored. Yeah, I think I think that's more of a matter of time thing mixed with Paramount had the rights and it's going to make money on video, yeah. so they want to make that money and not sell it. So, um but I mean, I think like like Nickel and Winding Reference films, like Drive, obviously those those seems like ones that could get a Criterion treatment and like feel fitting of them. I feel like Birdman would be an interesting candidate for Criterion release. Yeah, yeah. Twenty One Jump Street. Twenty One Jump Street. Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> uh, just looking at like a scattering of movies from like the past few years, and I see some random things. Beast of the Southern Wild. That almost feels like mm. that seems like prototypical version of a Criterion one. Dark Shadows, right? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Space Jail. <laughs> Space Jam. Space, Space Jam. Jam. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, there's. This feels like one of those questions we can come back to, um, as we do with a lot of these, with like favorite trailer, favorite poster, these kind of things. But no, that's. A, I mean, there's. There's lots of movies that seem like they're fitting. I just they don't all rush to mind right away. But yeah, they. Here's a question for you guys. Yeah. Because 
I have to read up on Criterion from time to time just to really fully understand it, but can you guys give the listeners and myself a quick synopsis of, like, what it means to be a Criterion Collection? Another one? Um, it's like another episode we've done this on. Um, in terms of, like, qualifying to be Criterion, I, it's less of, like, what what the movie... It's more of, like, whatever that, that body is. I don't know exactly who the body of Criterion is that's, you know, making these decisions or whatnot, but they're... It's, it seems like they choose films largely from the past and, you know, very few from the present um, that kind of fit this, this – they, they've, they've entered into this level of esteem that's not necessarily, like, awardsy and, like, high praise, but more of, like, a kind of a, a film collective that appreciate movies for, for certain kinds of values um, and want to keep them alive in the consciousness by way of having this special collect special kind of edition version made of it where they can collect all these interviews and what have you into one package so people can see them gotcha. yeah okay. it, yeah because like it, it definitely varies like sometimes it's artistic value other times it's like it's influence sometimes it's innovation in filmmaking or uh yeah some kind of cultural cornerstone whether it's foreign or american or uh, sometimes disney cuts a check and gets two michael bay movies in there right <laughs> 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 <clears throat> it's definitely a very interesting assemb- uh, assembly of movies. I'd, I'd like I'd like to see this film is not yet Criterion, where they do a special documentary <laughs> <laughs> going over the Criterion Collection and the mystery behind it. One thing I will say that I've, I've always felt about the Criterion Collection too, because um, I don't have a lot of Criterion Collection titles, and it's mostly because a lot of the movies in the Criterion Collection I don't really feel like are movies that I want to watch more than like once or twice. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair assessment. But, uh, it, yeah, it is, it is interesting to see people that collect them. I have a lot, and I generally like all these movies, and I'm happy to, like, see them again. But then again, I only I try to get the ones that I feel like I can watch multiple times, not just ones that are like, that's neat to have. But uh, Yeah, exactly. And they're just really cool. I mean, they come with, they're so nicely packaged, and they have these great little booklets in them, and the artwork's always neat. Like, it's, it's fun. It's, like, almost like an art collection, essentially. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on, Rob has a question here. 1994 produced three of the most famous films ever made, Pulp Fiction, The Shawshank Redemption, and Forrest Gump. I believe all three are on AFI's 100, as well as IMDb's top, IMDb's top 250. That year, Shawshank went unnoticed at the Oscars, while Pulp Fiction won an award for Best Original Screenplay, and Forrest Gump took home multiple Oscars, such as Best Actor and Best Picture. The next year, Shawshank blew up, becoming the most rented VHS video, and fans today seem to love Shawshank and Pulp Fiction a lot more than Forrest Gump, according to IMDb's top 250. What is your stance on the best picture of 1994? For me, that's a very easy question because Cult Fiction is, you know, my top one of my top three favorite movies ever. So that would kind of, you know, make it by default my favorite movie of that year. But you guys, thoughts? Not solely so much. I, mean, I know that this is kind of a, a controversial year because uh, whenever people bring this up, like Bill Simmons has brought this up in his podcast and he's essentially saying, what's a movie that you could just go back and watch all the time? And it really would be Pulp Fiction and or Shawshank. Forrest Gump, it kind of hits me heavy sometimes, and yeah, I can watch it, you know, multiple times, I suppose, but um, there's only so much that I can watch of Forrest Gump without thinking to myself, man, I'm going to be sad later, and, you know, what happens now, so... What's funny is, like, all three of these films are episodic, in a way. Pulp Fiction, by the narrative structure, by default, it's episodic, but Shawshank and Forrest, Forrest Gump... I feel like I can watch those films in pieces and be fine. I can watch the segment of short of Shawshank where like Andy gets everybody on the roof and they paint the roof and then they have the beers. Or Forrest Gump, you can watch any kind of decade that that movie is trying to take place in at that point right. and, and like be satisfied with it. Like it's they 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 have a weird similar connection in that way. Part of me wonders if that's only because those movies are played on TV all the time. 
and so you're used True. to watch definitely episodes. yeah, I yeah. Think that's definitely a factor yeah i um i'm one of those people who i i, I kind of i'm kind of annoyed by like the hate that is thrown at Forrest Gump because it won Best Picture instead of Pulp Fiction. Uh, I, I would I would say that Pulp Fiction probably deserved it more, but like Forrest Gump, there's something about it that, that obviously deserves to be appreciated. I mean, it's like it is like a, a, a pure slice of American filmmaking. It's just schmaltzy, yeah, for sure. It's definitely melodramatic and whatnot, and it's you know a little bit formulaic. But at the same time, like it's uh, in a in a way, and I don't. I, I, this is gonna. It might sound naive, but like I feel like Forrest Gump in a way is very similar to Citizen Kane in the its representation of like America and how the story is told and like even innovations in its like for filmmaking like because there was at the time inserting Tom Hanks into old newsreel footage with Kennedy and that kind of thing was huge. Like people were flipping out about that, like how cool it was. Um, and so, like, I think there's a lot of things from Forrest Gump that aren't appreciated for what it is, because I, I, I honestly still love that movie. Um, and Shawshank Redemption, obviously, was sorely underrated at the time. I mean, I have a Shawshank Redemption poster above my desk right now. So. <laughs> Here's some other fun movies that came out in 94. Lion King, um, Ed Wood, D2, The Mighty Ducks. Um, <laughs> let's see. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, the Hudsucker Proxy, The Ref, Monkey Trouble. Just wanted to point that one out. The Paper. Abe, I know you love The Paper. Paper love, is good. Paper yeah. is great. People forget that that's like a Ron Howard movie with Michael Keaton and Glenn Close. It's like, yeah, it's good. I don't know why it's so obscure. I don't either. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else here? Do, 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 the Crow. Um, that was 94? Yep. Wow. Should be, that's uh, Is that Batman Forever that year or is that 95? That's 95. It's the next okay. year. Speed. Um, let's see. Um, what's uh? I was gonna say Tombstone. That's not true. Wyatt Earp did though. Little Big League, one of my favorite baseball movies ever. The Shadow. <laughs> I like Baldwin. I like The Shadow. True Lies. Um, let's see. North, because everyone loves that movie. The Mask. Clear and Present Danger. Natural Born Killers. Uh, none of these are. I mean, I I like a lot of these, but none of these are really kind of ranking up in the same kind of realm as these as the three bits quiz, quiz show, which was the other kind of big. Oscar contender that year as well. Um, just like uh, the River Wild. <laughs> Duh, River Wild? D-A? Duh, River Duh. Wild. That's where oh, Meryl Streep ripper after the hood. <laughs> All right. Should we move on? Yeah, we can move on. All right. So Philip asks us, if you could introduce a new category for the Oscars, what would it be? Interview with the Vampire and Stargate. Those are two more. Oh, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, those would be great. Oh, uh, Leon, yeah. Leon the Professional, which actually I, I would say actually like more than maybe Forrest Gump. Um, let's see. A new Oscar category. Mr. Irrelevant. What's just, the... like, just like at the NFL draft. That'd They're just guy. like, yeah, here's the guy who uh, who sucked this year that we're not going to invite back. Let's see if I can It'd be me. get a new Oscar category. What would you, What would it be? Question. People say stunts a lot, but I don't know. They um, had their own stunt show once. I remember watching that. Well, there are awards that go out for stunts and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but I mean, they, they televised it for like a year. That was like the year where they also like the Latin Grammys and a few other award shows for, uh, I don't know, for other things that they normally do. New but they Oscar just category. televise it. I would like to see uh, uh, a Best Comedy Award. 
Would you and, want that or like a best comedic performance type award or something? Or that, that I would I would I would almost say if, if I were to introduce what I would do is I would introduce three new categories. I would do best comedy actor, best comedy actress, um, and best comedy. And mm. the, the thing I don't like about and I I like the idea of that. Like I'd love if if that worked, I'd love it. But the the problem I get with that is that then it's going to get into this thing with like the Golden Globes the same way where it's like well, what's that's the, the thing what's is a comedy? It, it, yeah, they they would need to be much clear de- like definitions as to what actually constitutes comedy because the golden globes have no idea what they're doing <laughs> when it comes to the classifying a comedy but it's like how do you write that down though it's like must be funny for 90 percent of the time like what is that like rule, <laughs> how do you rule clearly it? it's like you know two laughs per minute two so. laughs, yeah the laughs per meter scale has to be yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's it, I, i'm always annoyed by the fact that like there aren't any you know ways to give awards out to like really good comedies yeah. uh because like there there are, there are comedies that I love just as much as any Best Picture winner, yeah, and yeah. you know like the, the best you can say about them is like oh that movie's hilarious. <laughs> well, that, it also seems like it's kind of it kind of downplays that film because you've you've put it into the you've compartmentalized it into this category where it's like here's the best movies of the year. Also, here's this yeah. little category of best comedies. Well, and that's kind of the problem with just like awards in general, though. Is like yes, there's, yeah. there's this whole idea of prestige, like a movie has to be serious and dramatic and powerful to be considered that like. Uh, very rarely are comedy really good comedies considered to be, you know, in the running with those films, which is ridiculous to me. Like, uh, I, there's plenty of comedies that I would put up against, you know, Best Picture nominees, and it's but it's just not how it works, and it's it's really annoying. Maybe like something for like the because we're still far away, it seems, from getting Andy Serkis nominated for anything for what he does. Like, something about, like, best vocal performance or best motion capture performance or a combination of those two, something like that. Yeah, that would... Uh, I, I've always wondered why there aren't... Because I, I assume they have those awards by themselves, but there should be yeah. some voice actor award as well. Yeah, something... I mean, it's not like... That's been around for a while. Like, it's not like it's a yeah. new thing for people to use their voices and you know provide emotion and whatnot into that kind of performance. Aaron and I thought that Will and Aaron did a great job in the Secret World of Arietti. Oh yeah, Will Arnett and the Secret. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a... you did a great job. I was like Batman. I was like, oh, what Secret? <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I did. He's, I... he's playing a regular dead. <laughs> um. All right. Let's move on. Okay, Justin asks. So you. I think it's directed at me. So you didn't like Gran Torino. What did you think? I, of I didn't America? like it either. Okay. What did you think of American History X? What specifically about Gran Torino did you not did you not like the subject matter, directing, script? I also didn't like GT, but it was mostly as a whole. I liked the story, but the last part was especially hard to deal with. But I really liked American History X. Edward Norton was great in that movie. I had a best friend, and I had a best friend who was murdered by a neo-Nazi hate group here in Vegas in '98. So it especially hit home for me. Um, first off, that's sad to hear. I'm sorry. Very about that. difficult to hear that. So yeah, we're sorry. Um, I'll go. With, let's see. I'll go with American History X first, just to get that out. I I like that movie. I think Edward Norton's very good in it. I I think there's. I think there. I think it has some issues. Um, in terms of showing his change from one side to another, I think it kind of jumps ahead. That's kind of what holds it back from being greater to me. But AB, what are your thoughts on? On American History X, I mean, I I do enjoy that movie. Uh, I think that it has. And I think, I think we, when we say enjoy, I think we think it's it's a it's, it's well. It's a good made movie in terms parts. of direction, uh, writing, and acting and performances. Yeah, yeah. Also, speaking of like supporting actors who got snubbed, his the the guy who who was a uh, John Connor. No, 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 no. In <laughs> in American History X, he's in there with like a, a guy who's showing him the ropes. That guy's really good. I don't know his name. The actor. Oh, in uh, prison. In prison, yeah. While Edward Norton's in prison, that guy's really good. Um, anyway, uh, I think I think also there's just completely different films. I don't really, I would never really compare Grand Torino to American History X, 
Um, I see where it's end- coming from. I wouldn't necessarily make that jump either, but I see where it's coming from. Go on. Is in terms of the racial aspect of things? Yes, maybe? exactly. Okay, yeah. But I think that they're just different in terms of how they're handled. And I also just thought that Gran Torino itself, I think the Gran Torino was... Uh, when you have a... It, Having people who haven't really been acting before works in two ways, right? So one of them is... Naturalistic uh, up, good performances. Exactly, yeah. It can blow up in your face and or the other one is because you don't know who they are, you don't really... There's no bias for you to say, oh, well, I've seen him in, um, I don't know, Troy before, so he's a, he's a pretty good actor. He's He's got a lot of muscles. Um, so you pay more attention to the character. Well, like Boyhood's a good example of a movie that works because they're, it's just it's natural. It feels real throughout, and you know you're watching this person. It it work. It happened to work out that you know Eller Coltrane and Laura right. Linklater gave solid performances. Yeah, not necessarily as good as you know the experienced actors working with them, but they're you know they're fine in those movies. Right. In that but, movie. But I digress. You know that's a digression, which is just Grant Torino. I think that it's just poorly handled in terms of the writing in terms of what it's going for clint eastwood's getting it um and i think that some of the direction like just the way that the director of photography i guess that the cinematography is pretty decent uh american history x though i think that that speaks to something else in the american history or psyche that uh we don't really talk about and um i think that it was well executed just the way that they they brought it up and how it still fits into modern culture today and what it uh, and how it can affect people, and also the real consequences of what happens, not to you, but to your actions that you have done in the past. And if you try to escape those, you know, um, it's kind of difficult to do. That's a good way to put it, Abe, for the most part, which is why what I can appreciate about something like an American History X with Gran Torino. I agree, where I just think the acting's pretty poor from everyone that's not, you know, Clint Eastwood or, Clint Eastwood. or what's his name? Is Pro Terry Lawrence or no, not him, Who? the other one. Uh, the the barber shop scene, oh, okay. um, the barber. Um, God, that's gonna bug me. It's Norm Son of a Gunderson from Fargo. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, yes, I do. I think that the the Mong actors in that movie are just not good, and I don't really think the story does anything special. And I think it's one of those ones where Clint Eastwood just kind of assembled together, and it happened to work out for some reason because it made a ton of money when it opened, like January two thousand eight. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um. And Eastwood's like fine at playing old grumpy Eastwood. I, I don't know if it's anything. Did you say Eastwood? I should. Old grumpy like, Geist- like like an old grumpy like geezer and then mashed in. Clint you, did, you haven't seen that YouTube spoof video where it's just a goose replaces Eastwood in all the scenes of Grant? I'm making that up. That's not. Is this real? No. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna watch this right now. Wish that was real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't think it does any. I don't think it's anything special. I I, I was very yeah. curious as to why it was getting the acclaim that it got for being like, oh, Eastwood's old now. And, <laughs> I mean, he has like, been old and, before, I guess, but okay. Right, and I don't want to like prolong this topic too too long, but for the most part, I'm not saying that it it you know like mauling actors aren't important or whatever else, and it's not important to no, tell these that. stories. Just when there's bad actors, right. bad acting. <laughs> right, but I'm also just saying like it doesn't really tell me anything. It's not telling me like oh well, it's really difficult to grow up in Michigan, and, uh, and this is why. <laughs> no, no, and this is why. It's kind of like if you've seen a lot of Clint Eastwood movies lately, you'll understand, which is just that. It's very superficial, and it's very just, you know, it jumps around on these topics, and for the most part, uh, it gets away with it because some of the other things are well are handled well in terms of maybe some visual aspects, so you're not so much more paying attention to the storyline. So, I mean, if you watch American Sniper, it's just like, why is there another sniper here? Why doesn't he spend more time, like, talking about the uh, PTSD at home and the PTSD with the wife and whatever else? It's just like, 
a bunch of series of things that go on. And Gran Torino is kind of the same thing. It's just you see these people, these long uh, neighbors, and then you see Clint Eastwood kind of just vignettes of their life, and you don't really get a sense of um, maybe why this is happening. Like you don't really really get a motivation. Whereas in American History X, you see the flashbacks, you see how basically he, he uh, why this happened to him. Uh, you see the actions of, of what he did. He had no regrets, no remorse. And then he gets to prison, and all of a sudden things flip on a dime because everyone's out for themselves kind of thing, and there's no order, there's no structure. At least that's what he sees. And then he tries to get out of it. It's it's, it's very much um, a very all-inclusive script. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I don't really compare the two. Basically, Eastwood has trouble with the curve. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> anyway. Should we move on? Any, any, solid, any... solid stuff there. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's. Well, that was that. Now feedback. 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 Now I think it's time for. Uh, we haven't done this in a little bit, eh? But it's time. What was it? I think that it might be time for some games. Aaron ascending. True. <laughs> That's what I was doing there. What do you have for us this week? <laughs> Basically, uh, this is just a series of questions that have to do with people who travel through time and space because in Jupiter Ascending, they travel through time and space by creating portals. Uh, the BBC's Doctor Who travels with this device. TARDIS. That's correct. Okay. I would have accepted, accepted a blue telephone police box as well. Number two. The Starship Enterprise travels through time using this technology. Warp? That's correct. Here. Spaceballs goes beyond light speed into this speed. Ludicrous speed. <laughs> ludicrous gone, speed. Is that you say plaid? Is that what you say? Plaid. <laughs> I was looking for ludicrous speed. Fine. <laughs> Bill and Ted travel through time using this. A phone booth. Phone booth. That's TARDIS? Right. <laughs> Owen Wilson travels to the 1920s by getting drunk and taking a car back to those roaring times in this movie. Midnight in Paris. That's correct. Its license plate reads, Out of Time. Back the DeLorean. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Last one. Travel back through time with John Cusack with this outdoor pool. Uh, hot tub. <laughs> I don't know who said that one first. I didn't say it. He said, he okay, said it. Ethan. I was trying to remember. It's like, wait, there was a John Cusack time travel movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because I'm seeing the two commercials so much, and he's not into. So I'm like, I'm forgetting that he was in the first movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not in the second one. Uh, I forget who they have to replace him. Adam Scott. It's Adam Scott. Apparently. Oh, he, Adam Scott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He. Pl- I think he plays his son in the future. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm. Interesting. Right. I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Adam Scott, so I'm all for more Adam Scott in movies. <laughs> By the way, if you're not watching Parks and Rec this season, it's pretty good. Oh my god! Yeah, Parks it, and Recreation is amazing. <laughs> there, I just got through the episode where uh, where you find out why there's a rift between Ron and uh, and uh, Leslie. Leslie, and that that touched me. It's one like, of the best episodes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this, whole, this final season is awesome. Especially, I I'm loving all of the fake future pop culture references. Yes, it's so funny. <laughs> hitch 2. Son of a hitch. <laughs> Anyhow, that was games. Ethan, you won. You won 4-3. to three. Yeah. Oh. There you go. Hitch 2, son of a hitch. Son of a hitch. That was, that's what I said when I lost the game. Ah, son of a hitch. <laughs> All right, moving on now. Let's get to Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week, and we have quite a few here. 
uh, Nightcrawler, which yeah, I go love. see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Predestination, which I have and haven't I seen yet. Heard good things about yeah, it. This is the Ethan Hawke time travel movie. Um, by the way, there's been multiple time travel movies in the past couple weeks. There's this. There's a. Uh, there's the there's the SpongeBob movie. There's Predestination. There's Project Almanac. All these have time travel in them. It's really SpongeBob weird. has time SpongeBob travel. SpongeBob has time travel. Yes. <laughs> there's time. I'm telling. Have I yeah, said I this? Have to see this. I know. I know. Me too. I was already fairly interested, but now now it's, it's, I gotta see it now. <laughs> um. Yeah. The predestination that arrives. Alexander and the No Good, Terrible, Very Bad Day, which I I've think heard is that fine. it was decent. Yeah, it's yeah. really fine. And, or I mean, there's nothing harmful about it. No, it's 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 not mean spirited, which is something I like. But it's just a fine family movie it's for what okay. it is. And I believe a friend of the show, Courtney Howard, she her quote is featured on the the Blu-ray cover of that movie. So there you Boom! Go. Congratulations. Um, let's see, Kill the Messenger. This is with Jeremy Renner, which I had not seen. I, I've heard like there was a lot of buzz going into it because it is about uh, some writer for the San Jose Mercury News. But I completely didn't realize that it was out. Did you see this movie? No, it's. Uh, I wanted to. It was. It was at a nearby theater here for like a week, and then it was gone. Like, uh, it, it arrived with very little pomp and circumstance. And like, I feel like it was. They were hoping it was going to be an awards contender, but it didn't work out. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, Rosewater. This was the directorial debut from John Stewart, which I really liked. I was a big fan of it. I enjoyed it. Um, for the most part, it's uh, it suffers from a little from the fact that he's a, a first time director, but at the same time. I was expecting the story itself to be a little bit more thrilling, I guess you could say, um, because the story itself is fascinating, but I'm not sure it translates very well into a movie very, uh, in the best way. Fair enough. Um, Force Majeure, which was snubbed at the Oscars when it comes to nominations, but was certainly a, ter- a terrific little film um, that I really enjoyed. Um, do you get around to seeing this, Ethan? Uh, Ford, no, Force Majeure I have not seen yet. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's a good one to I check out. Um, let's see, Laggies with uh, Kira Knightley and Sam Rockwell, which I'm supposed to receive oh, to review soon. Yeah. But, uh, curious, I'm curious about that one. Um, also out, all of Kittredge. This is the HBO film um, starring Francis McDormand and and Richard Dick Jenkins, as I call him. And um, <laughs> no, this is one of my favorite actors. Uh, uh, Bill Murray's in that too. Bill Murray's in that too. Yes. And it's it's like four parts, and I really enjoyed this. Actually, I think it's 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 really, it's like I guess to, it's a drama for sure, and it's very biting in terms of this is a person that you don't want to like interact with, but it's very good. It's very well acted. Mm. So uh, yeah, Lisa Chalodenko just won a DJ award for it. Actually, yeah, she, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see, and lastly, one hundred and one Dalmatians, the Diamond Edition Blu-ray hits theaters. There hits um, Blu-ray this week. The so. cartoon. Yes, the what? yes, not the Diamond Edition. Jeff Daniels, <laughs> Jeff Daniels, Glenn Close, Close classic. <laughs> yeah, Hugh Laurie, Hugh Laurie, Hugh Laurie, <laughs> right? As a, as one of the uh, what would you call him? Henchman. Henchman. Thank you. Yeah, Harrison yeah. Jasper. Not to be confused with Gerard Depardieu in 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> I didn't even bother seeing 102 Dalmatians. Yeah, I've never seen it. The funny thing to me, I was so I was I was in the Disney store with my girlfriend a couple weeks ago, and. We we saw that there was a raincoat that was like 101 Dalmatians, which seems like the exact prob. That's like the exact issue we're trying to stop in 101 Dalmatians of having a coat yeah, made of the Dalmatians. <laughs> but it's a raincoat. They're just but it's it, vinyl. It's like kids are buying the thing that they didn't want the villain to succeed in. Like that's you want them to like suit and stay dry or what? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just funny. It's like, that exists. <laughs> What's the message here? Uh, <laughs> even good endings turn bad. Um, moving on now, let's get to next week. Next week's show, we have a doubleheader coming because every now and then two movies grace our cinemas that are just too hot to handle and too hot to not talk about. And that, of course, is Kingsman, The Secret Service, and 50 Shades of Grey. So I know right now a friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, he's going to be on for that show because he's super excited for 50 Shades of Grey. <laughs> and um, we'll see We'll see how that goes. And Kingsman, I've actually seen I saw Kingsman like a month ago at this point. But it's a movie that I'm going to be very happy to talk about with you, Abe, next week. So, yeah, um, I read the comic, so we'll, I'm excited. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And, um, yeah, so that in mind um last thing here actually i didn't incorporate this other thing we we're we're i'll get this better next there's week because another I, thing? yeah there's another thing because i meant because we had a good a good thought in an email from a couple weeks ago about ah. adding movies that are streaming that we would recommend and i didn't think of one in time but keeping that in mind uh what just popped on streaming that i that's like really you know what red um dead snow red versus dead if you like zombies and you hate nazis you're gonna love this movie go watch it there you go there's there's my there's my netflix streaming recommendation this week next week i'll have this better setup watch uh, bob's burgers bob's burgers on netflix too there you go um i think what, what's a chef is on netflix now too oh that's right yeah yeah, yeah. just yeah. got on yeah. yeah so there you go there's your netflix recommendations right there <laughs> moving on what should people go see now, and what do you plan to see next? Ethan, what do you think people should go and see in theaters right now? Um, everybody should go see Selma. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it deserves to be seen. Uh, it's, it's more powerful than you would even imagine. Like, uh, my favorite thing about it is it turns Martin Luther King Jr. from this mythical, you know, historical figure into a real man. And, like, David Oyelowo brings such humanity to performance. Like, the spe- uh, all the speeches he gives are uh unbelievably moving like i couldn't believe how powerful they were he's no um, longer a unicorn he's now a horse <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just it's it was it was better than i even thought it would be um i'm definitely uh definitely recommending that everyone should see it immediately and what do you plan to see next um I, i'm gonna see uh kingsman actually um this week as soon as it comes out and i'm hoping that i will be able to see the last five years at some point but i don't know how soon it's going to come to a theater near me which one's that uh it's the musical uh with anna kendrick and jeremy Ah. oh okay yeah Yeah. abe what should people go see now what do you plan to see i mean i definitely recommend some as well uh and that's not just from what ethan said but it's actually it's the best movie that's out there right now um Try and get some of the American sniper money into Selma is what I'm trying to get with too. And if if I can see it, I really want to watch uh, what we do in the shadows. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be opening near me next week. So I guess I will be watching Kingsman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, assuming you don't see Fifty Shades of Grey first. I'm going to totally watch that on Wednesday night. I'm just kidding. Because okay, I am. It's like you're coming oh, down. okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll probably end up seeing Fifty Shades of Grey at some point. Uh, let's see. I am going to see, or no, I'm recommend. I mean, I've been recommending the Oscar stuff for the past few weeks. So I'm going to recommend Black Sea. Uh, this is the Jude Law submarine heist thriller that oh. um, I was quite fond of. I think it's a solid movie um, from uh, director Kevin McDonald, who did Marley and Touching the Void, for example, <laughs> in terms of documentaries as well as other narrative features. Uh, but no, Black Sea. It's out in like it's like spread somewhat wide. So I mean, I'd be happy to recommend that movie just because it's you know something different to see. And I like Jude, Jude Law is really good in it. And it has Scoot McNary and Ben Mendelsohn reuniting from Killing Them Softly. <laughs> they, they all seem to be like in the same movies. For... 
It feels that way, at least. So yeah, there's that, and what I plan to see next. I'm actually going to go see Timbuktu today, one of the foreign film nominees for this year, which I've heard really good things about, and it has a great trailer. So there you go. Mm. And um, okay, I think that's going to do it. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find out my written movie reviews as well as at ysablu.com for my Blu-ray reviews. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. And I'm also writing about TV at The Young Folks. I'm covering Gotham, The Americans, which has come back and is awesome still. Right. And uh, Walking what Dead comes back, too. In? It's in the third season. Third season. Americans. Okay. And, yeah, Walking Dead comes back tonight. So I'm going to be writing about that again as well. Great. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag The American Season 2. Ethan Anderson. Uh, yes, you can find me at furshowing.net. Uh, Twitter uh, at Ethan underscore Anderton. And I also write about television uh, at Geek Nation. Great. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now. Uh, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at HHWLOD.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show, along with other fun shows, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which I also co host and will be coming back this week, I assume, as well. You can listen to us over at outnow.podomatic.com as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. Feel free to email us your thoughts on Jupiter Ascending or anything else that's on your mind at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Answer or ask us questions over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Tumblr page, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. And you can, of course, leave us a voicemail, 972-798-3830. That's, you can leave us an audio recording and we might be happy to play it on the show and respond or whatever. Yay. With all that said, Ethan, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun. For sure. And um, until next time, when we talk about Kingsman and 50. 50. (laughs) Yeah, King 50. uh, That's going to do it. So until next time, so long. And goodbye.
play some of the trailer for Jupiter Ascending. I forget how the trailer goes. It's like Sean Bean narrating. Oh, like, he's really narrating? Yeah, he's like, listen to me, because I may die or I may not die. I'm half B. And then he says something. I, he's half a B in this movie. I, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> he, Well, everyone's like a splice, and he works at a bee farm. He's half B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I actually didn't realize that. You didn't realize that? I, he was no, half I didn't realize that. <laughs> like, not, not a- now that you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Not everyone can be a half elephant and make it super obvious, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We've totally got to bring that up. Because I I was just like, oh, he's also a half wolf, but he doesn't look half wolf like Channing Tatum? Yeah, no, I, I and then now uh, that makes sense as to why they kept, like, flashing his eyes yellow and stuff. Yes, uh, he's happy. <laughs> I just thought that was, just, that was, like, the night vision for the wolf. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured it was just some kind of, like, uh weird like biological enhancement he had as you know yeah. as skyjack or whatever the hell they're called yeah. all right well that revelation aside. we've already said so many dumb things 